I uh, I have no idea what busking means. Oh, uh, playing on the street. Oh, okay. Street performing. All right. Yeah, putting out a hat. Busking. Yeah, you didn't turn. That's yeah. I guess I guess that maybe that's not a universal term. Yeah, busking. Um, is busking harder than teaching middle school? No, <laughs> no. Um, they're both fun. everybody let me tell you about josh bearman who's sitting across from me right now he's a science teacher at lucille brown middle school in richmond virginia josh is entering his fifth year as a teacher of record in richmond public schools has spent his entire uh, career at lucille brown middle school primarily teaching earth science to advanced eighth graders he's involved with code va and project guts g-u-t-s uh, even though he does much of his work on computers he tries to get his students outdoors as much as possible and involved in what he described as, quote, good old-fashioned hands-on learning, end quote, in the James River running through the heart of Richmond. Uh, This drive comes from five years as a field educator with the Chesapeake Bay Foundation. Josh has a bachelor's degree from Brown University, a master of science degree from the Virginia Institute of Marine Science, and a master's of education from VCU. He serves as a clinical resident coach as part of the Richmond Teacher Residency Program, which he went through in 2011. Uh, Prior to entering the teaching profession, Josh spent a decade as a touring musician with a string band called The Hot Seats uh, and occasionally brings his instruments into class. He's lived in Richmond for 16 years and still gigs 40 to 50 times a year around Richmond and in the United Kingdom, which is pretty cool. Uh, And he's DJed a a bluegrass and hillbilly music program on WRIR since 2005 and describes himself as a, quote, river dude. (laughs) Did I get it? I, I, I did describe myself that way, didn't I? <laughs> you sure did. I, yeah, I like being, I, that's, I think it's Richmond's best attribute in some I, ways is the I, river. Yeah, I think so. Um, I didn't know that there was such a thing as a bluegrass DJ, by the way. Yeah, I mean, I'm not DJing a party, you know, I'm DJing a radio show. But, you know, uh, yeah, there's a, that, the show is called Edge of Americana and, um, and uh, you know, I play, play music, yeah. I mean, and, and I actually am a DJ in as much as I'm frequently bringing actual records to, to, to play, even sometimes 78s to actually play on air, you know? Man. So. Lots lots to unpack with Josh Barron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's hop into it. Man. Sure. What is the purpose of public schools? Uh, well, the purpose of public schools is, in the most idealistic sense, to, to give every American, anyway, um, the opportunity to 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 gain a certain level of both content knowledge and also kind of socialization and um, and in theory the opportunity to 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 rise above you know to have some to have upward mobility to to go to college to go to a trade school to learn you know things that may or may not actually be useful for your life like like literature. I mean, literature is useful and not useful simultaneously, you know, but for analytical thought, for um, just kind of a base of knowledge that, that the Western world has decided is important, you know, that's what public ed- education, that's what public schools should be about anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it feels like the public school is an opportunity for kids who are hungry to get lunch and mm-hmm. breakfast. Um, but in its purest sense, it's, 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 it is education for everyone. Yeah, it's a place yeah. for all students. For right? all like students. Everybody belongs in a public school. Yeah. 
That's how I feel about what it. your background is. Yeah. yeah. And the way you just described that, I think, is really interesting because it's like, um, I do think that, that it makes sense that a per- one of the purposes of public schooling is to prepare yourself for the future so maybe you could be trained to do a certain kind of job, mm-hmm. right? So there's like mm-hmm. that utility value to it. Yeah. Um, but what you're describing is that even if it's something you're not necessarily going to use for a career later on, um, it's still valuable to learn, you know, literature or a certain kind of math that maybe you wouldn't use in a career. Right. But it's still important to Yeah, and I was, think, I was thinking about that recently because, you know, math scores are a big problem at many schools. And I think part of that is, you know, the, the, something about the abstract thinking of, of algebra and being able to, to take a, a variable and kind of manipulate that variable in a theoretical sense. I mean, it's, it's, it's like rhetorical thinking, kind of, you know. And I was kind of trying to think about how I could strengthen those skills in the science classroom. We don't really do much math in earth science. And when we do, it's really just plug and play, like plug – we have this equation, you plug a number in and you go. Um, but algebraic thinking is, doesn't even really require math as much as it requires the kids to be able to, to replace a concrete object with a, with a theoretical object. Mm-hmm. And uh, how can I strengthen that skill, you know? And that's an important skill just to have in life, to be able to kind of think hypothetically. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, you know, for earth science, a lot of what we do is we just look at something and try to tease it apart. And that's an important skill to have, mm-hmm. you know, for just any, any aspect of life. It's, uh, and then really, for me, what I'm trying to get kids to do is just always ask, like, how does that work? Why is that that way? Whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, it's that kind of in- that inquiry-based thinking. Yeah. So what might you say to a student who um, comes at you with, Mr. Behrman, I'm never going to use earth science in my life. Why am I learning this stuff? Well, I'd probably point to Houston right now if they asked me that today, you know, and, and just there's so many intersections between earth science and and the, the quote, real world, you know, for, stu- for, for people. Um, but even if they, you know, even if I couldn't actually point to a concrete thing, I would still point to just the the value in knowing stuff you know it's cool to know how clouds form and the names of the different clouds you might impress a girl someday with that knowledge you know um, and the stars and and you know but to be able to walk even just in the soil and look at the color of the soil and know something about why it's that color you know that that's cool yeah so maybe a big part of your job is getting 13-year-olds to pay attention to stuff. Yeah, and I'm in a luxurious position where the majority of my students are advanced 8th graders. So mm-hmm. they are either implicitly interested or they have some explicit motivation from their parents knowing that they need to get good grades such that they, they have reasons to pay attention. Most yeah. of them. Not all of them. Regardless, them. there's motivation. There. Yeah, there's motivation there. So yeah. that makes my job easier and, and more satisfying in some ways. Sure. Although there is... There's definitely satisfaction in. I, I'm a naturally defiant person, so I can I can like I resonate with with a lot of the the kids at the school in terms of like I understand exactly why you are not willing to do this, but it would be it would just make both of our lives so much easier right now. Especially it would make your life a lot easier right now if you just do the thing because I know you know I know you can. Yeah, eighth graders are wonderful and complicated creatures. They are. Yeah. They are. Yeah, and it's amazing they come back two years later as sophomores. Something seems to happen. They just have a certain composure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so there's there's plenty of challenges facing public education, mm-hmm. pu- public schools. It's tough to narrow down on one. But what's what's a challenge that maybe you're focused on in particular in your work or something that's been on your mind is one of the primary challenges facing public schools today? 
That's a hard question. Yeah, I mean, because you, you know, the the answer is these large things. Um, you know, getting investment from the community, I suppose, um, is a challenge. It's a, it's a goal um, because you have the advanced kids and the magnet kids, and their parents show up a lot. And then you have the neighborhood kids, and their parents show up some, but not nearly as much. And why don't they show up? Well, they're working. I mean, that would be number one. They're working. They're working. They don't have solid transportation. Um, they don't have, you know, phone numbers change, so they don't even get the message that there's something going on at school. Um, so to have the school as more of a, a kind of a center for the community where there's job training, where there's um, ESL, where there's GED programs, where there's even something like, you know, um, parenting training, you know, uh, somewhere that people kind of, they see as a place that they would go to anyway, then you're going to get more investment from, I think, more investment from the parents. And we have a communities and schools program here. And I know in Richmond, there's a number of schools that are trying to model themselves as more than just the place that your kid goes you know, from September to June between eight and three. Mm-hmm. Um, this building is, has a lot of opportunity for other things. And for the most part from, you know, in the evenings, it's, there's nothing going on here. Mm-hmm. So it could be more. Um, and I think that would help, but you know, you've got housing, you've got poverty, you've got, um, just the inequity of, of zoning. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a huge problem in, in almost every urban school. Yeah. At, you know, at the very least, the school just needs to – people in the community need to see the school as a safe place for their for – their, not only a safe place, but a place that they want to send their kids because their kids are going to get something out of it. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, what role do you see poverty playing in the lives of your students? Well, I mean, you see kids who are hungry. Um, I definitely have had a number of students who were living in various hotel rooms. You know, so they're t- – like a lot of sleep deprivation – um, and then kids who go home and then have to do like they have to look after their siblings or or the where they are is chaotic so they're not able to really school is I mean you can't if you're dealing with basic like if you're if if, if those things are not secure then who cares if you do your earth science homework you know mm-hmm. or you why would you care if you did your earth science homework I wouldn't care but you have to you know my, my job is to try to teach them sure. as best as possible and still try to make it relevant you see, po- I mean, you know, and you see poverty in the in the in 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 the the lack of parental engagement simply because they don't have the time or the wherewithal to do it. And without parental engagement, it makes it really hard for a student to to succeed. And that's I'm not saying anything new here, you know. Yeah. Um, it is it is such a powerful tool when you're able to call home and either praise a child or um, talk to a parent about how you can work to to have a better relationship with their kids to make them more engaged in the classroom, you know? Sure. And if you don't have that link or if that link, you know, if that link is broken, then, then, um, then you're really just relying on the hour a day that you see them. And depending on the state they're in, you know, can really change things. So I'm curious for, for someone who's a middle school teacher that's doing this work, what do you see as the role of research in advancing education? Well, I think that, I mean, personally, I like to read research. I like to read about, I don't really tend to read the papers. I tend to read the articles about the papers. But um, that's the ideal. You know, you want to have best practice. And you want to be, I want to be, 
Just like I want to be teaching the most current science, I want to be using what are considered the, the best techniques for reaching my kids. And I want to be um, being as, you know, having as much equity as possible and I want to have as much kind of cultural sensitivity as possible. And that is like, that is my goal. And then there's like the reality of teaching. And sometimes, you, and so in my opinion, as long as you, it's good to know every teacher should be refreshing themselves on best practices as much as possible. And that doesn't mean um, the, the latest in graphic organizers. You know, that means on a kind of more theoretical level of like, what is the role of teacher? And then you do your best to achieve some small bit of that or as much as you can depending on your circumstance you know mm-hmm. but as long as that is in your mind is what your goal is I think you're going to be better off for it so I, I mean but I'm, I come from you know I was almost I almost made my career as a scientific researcher so I, 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 I value research mm-hmm. you know a lot um, what ways of communicating it do you think are particularly that, effective for K-12 practitioners getting a K-12 teacher on board to be the communicator you know that's that's a big problem with with academics whether it's whether it's you know science or math or or whatever the 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 topic is i think sometimes and i maybe it's it's probably less true in ed schools than in other places but people get so um siloed in their in their world of research and in only speaking in a certain way and kind of discussing a certain thing that that it, if, if you have that that professor or that PhD student standing in front of a group of teachers, they're just gonna they're just gonna immediately glaze over. But if you can get buy-in from some some teachers who can kind of act as a liaison between, I think that makes a big difference. Yeah, you gotta speak the same language yeah. a little bit better. Maybe. Yeah, and have a little ca- a little more cachet, maybe also. <laughs> you know, like I have found that teachers are not necessarily like super open-minded about being told that what they're doing could be done in a different way. Hmm. Understand. And I'm new, you know, I'm only, this is only my fifth year, sixth year. I, I consider my residency year to be a year, but mm-hmm. fifth or sixth year, still pretty new comparatively to, to some of like the, the kind of like decades and decades of experience that, that I work with, you know? Right. Right. So I've been, I, I, I kind of keep my mouth shut a lot of the time, you know, because you only know what you know and you only can only really speak to the experience that you're having in some ways. Right, but the kind of wisdom that you get from working in a school and working with students I think is really invaluable. Like I, uh, I'm not sure that there's any amount of reading Mm-mm. that could compensate or um, or to, to match the kind of accumulated, like crystallized knowledge you get from being a teacher or yeah. being a counselor or a principal and being in a school and doing that kind of work directly with students and families. Right. All you can know is you can know, you can learn techniques, you can know your content. You do need to have persons, you know, you have to enter interpersonal skills. And mm-hmm. some people build those more easily than others. And different people have their different strategies for dealing with that. Some mm-hmm. people are more strict. Some people don't smile till November, you know. Some people, you, I use, I tend to use humor. That's just kind of how I, that's just how I interact with anyone. And I mm-hmm. tend to try to talk to students like they're adults because I think they appreciate that. Yeah. Um, but that's my, that's just, I kind of came upon that strategy. Not, I definitely didn't write it in a paper anywhere you know and we when we took our classroom management class doctor uh, it was with uh, dr alder nora alder mm-hmm. you know, she was very clear with like we can talk all day long about this stuff but this is not your your classroom management class is when you actually are 
Unfortunately, you don't really get your first class in classroom management until you're having to manage the classroom. Right, right. You know, you don't then, read that I should use humor with students. Yeah, and you don't, you and you humor. don't know that that like that in September this is going to work, but in March this is no longer going to work, and these two people can't sit next to each other because this one dated this one's friend. Yeah, you know? <laughs> and now she's mad at him, or whatever it is. Yeah, you know, sure. That's a point that Kurt Stemhagen made when he was on our show too. Was um, you can't really effectively measure a relationship yeah and teaching is relationship oriented work it is it is it is but it's not it's not magic you know it is a profession with a set of skills that you if you're paying attention you you hone those skills and you figure out what works and what doesn't uh talk about your work as a teacher what is it like what's challenging what's rewarding well, I find closure to be challenging. <laughs> Just like lesson closure, lab closure. Like I really like getting into stuff. I don't really care about putting the period on the end of it always. And I know that's important, but um, I find that to be personally difficult. And I find formative. I still find formative assessment to be like this very elusive thing. Mm. You know, I think I've. I think I'll have done it, and I'll think this student's got this. And then when it comes time for the some sort of summative assessment. Sometimes they don't have it, and it's like, well, I was really, I really miscalculated what this person, what I thought this person knew, or I miscalculated how this, how to get this person to tell what they know, hmm. you know. Um, so that is remains challenging for me, and also just fitting it all in because I like to talk, and um, it's really easy for me. It's really easy for my students to get me on a tangent if they ask me a question that I think is interesting, and they know it. <laughs> You know, so we'll have a whole. So my my I, I maintaining fidelity to my lesson plan is another thing that I that I that I struggle with. Sure, you know, fidelity is out the window a lot of times. Well, it's just if, if someone if something comes up that's in the news or if some kid asks a, a question and then we're off on some other topic, mm-hmm. I don't want to I don't want to stop that just so I can be like, oh no no no, we got to cover these you know es. Seven point A today. This is what we're doing today. You know, mm-hmm. like that's not what's that. That's not what we're doing. That's not what we're doing. So that really speaks to how you can tell when your students are actually learning something. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. for in terms of your formative assessment, like you're talking about, maybe it seems evident that you're you're getting something valuable out of them, but mm-hmm. um, maybe that has something to do with the types of summative assessments that we're using right? and how yeah. accurately they're actually capturing learning. Well, and it's interesting because that's one thing that I found in my f- first two years is I was writing on my own tests and they were all short answer, diagram, like, um, you know, essay for the most part with just a, a few kind of multiple choice ones thrown in there. And then my kids were unprepared for the benchmark tests, mm. and it's like well, I know you. I know that you know this information because I have you. I have you actually having written the answer down. Mm-hmm. But then they get confused by because you know they'll throw some kind of similar sounding words into some of the wrong answers or whatever it is. So I actually had to start drilling them more on on how to take a multiple choice test, which. Mm felt like defeat a little bit truthfully but uh sure. was necessary for the kind of the system that we're in you know so now i really approach it like here's the thing that you need to know for the sol and i just tell them straight up i was like this this information you have to know it and i'm going to make sure you know it but we don't want to take all of our time just talking about this information some of it is interesting some of it is not mm-hmm. there is interesting things for us to talk about but we have to get through but you need to. I need to know that you know this stuff first before mm. we can 
before we can have a debate on the Atlantic Coast Pipeline or, you know, do something that we, before we can go outside and dig holes, you know, we need to, I need to know that you actually know, like, that the top layer is the humus, for example. Do you find that your students are um, wanting to learn information that they know they're going to need for the SOL or are they more invested in digging holes? And They're more invested in whatever I'm excited about, I think. You know, that's what I've found. It's not important that they know certain things. It's, mo- it's important that they know how to know those things, how, they, how to find that stuff out. But on the other hand, it's important that they know how to they, – they, they, need, they need to be able to look at a graph of anything and interpret what it's saying. Mm-hmm. Right? That's important. They need to be able to look at a map and know information based on the map. That's, that's kind of more of an analyzing skill. They need to have that analysis power. They need to have the synthesis and the, and the evaluation powers. Mm-hmm. But we spend so much of our time on recall and comprehension – yeah, but they really gravitate towards the things you get excited yeah, about teaching. Sure, and I assume that you probably get excited a decent amount about I, what you're teaching. I do because I find I like science. I mean, if even if we're talking about like mineral structure, like I think there's something interesting in that, you know. And we can and I and I try to make it exciting for them, but it's like I, I I'm a constant collector of things. Like I just pick rocks up all the time and minerals. So so I just dump a bunch of stuff on their table and they can actually touch it and look at it, and that's fun. Yeah, you know. so these tables in this room get pretty dirty. They get dirty. Very. This room is. This is a, about as. I mean, it's cluttered right now because we're kind of. We had to take everything out in order to put everything away. But it's pretty clean right now, and it's about as clean as it's going to be. What do you think is the future of public schools? Well, it would be nice if we could figure out this equity thing. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, we are right back where we started prior to Brown v. Board of Education, where we're more segregated now in some ways than we were then. And all of those kids, you know, I mean, they deserve to be taught in whatever environment they can be taught in, but, like, it just, and you'd know better than I, but I, 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 I seem to recall this from when I was actually in ed school, and then it just seems to make sense that when you have a greater diversity of socioeconomic status, you're going to have more opportunities for success, and, 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 and it's going to pull up those kids that kind of traditionally do not perform well. Because they're going to be in a classroom with kids where there's, even if it's just seeing, being around kids for whom the expectation is, is that they're going to succeed and they're going to move forward and they're going to graduate from high school and they're going to go to college or not college. I don't believe college to be the thing that everyone needs to do by any stretch of the imagination. I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of the Richmond Technical Center. Um, so just to be in a classroom and in an environment with those kids makes other kids do better. I think you know they just want to be they just want to not stick out so if if sticking out in the classroom means not being educationally successful then they're going to try to avoid that mm-hmm. and if sticking out means doing your homework and buckling down and if you're the only one that's doing that you probably will stop doing that pretty quickly and, and conform to conform to whatever norm there is yeah yeah i think um there's a lot of, on the research side, a lot of empirical evidence suggesting that um, having a mixed income school mm-hmm. tends to benefit students. Yeah. Um, you can argue that with research, but I think what you just described is such an important thing to remember that just like the experience of a student going to a school where you get to be around a lot of different types of students, mm-hmm. what that means for you socially, emotionally psychologically can't be understated and I think implicit in that is um, it, it's not that you're um, 
it's not that the population of the school shifts that you have more high achieving students so it makes it seem like there's better achievement in the school right it's that everybody could benefit yeah from having right. a mixture but, of students in a school and it you know it would probably raise teacher morale a little bit you know if you're teaching and it's just pretty much across the board you're just you're just you're just encountering resistance at every step of the way and and your best efforts are going towards going kind of for nothing then that just is really demoralizing and so if you have a little bit of success in there if you have a little bit then that's going to make you want to do more and so I'm, I'm always I mean some some of these teachers just they amaze me in their in their capacity to constantly be optimistic and constantly try more and try harder mm. you know um, future public schools I, I really I hope that they re- continue um, so typically we close out our episode with our fancy theme music okay today's not a typical episode because I'm sitting here with somebody from the hot seat yeah so what hot seat song would be optimal for me to play out this episode <laughs> you know I, we have a song called uh, we play a song called Jawbone that uh, it's got some words and it's got some instrumentation on it I can uh, I, that, that I think would be a good one I can send it to you Jawbone 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 yeah sorry I forgot my banjo but <laughs> there'll be another time maybe Oh, Jabo, you better get along. It's time to start with the record song. Oh, Jabo, you better get along. It's time to start with the record song. Oh, Jabo, you better get along. It's time to start with the record song. Oh, Jabo, you better get along. It's time to start with the record song. Oh,